Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I I would love for us to test it out in front of a live audience once. Yeah, we should. It's just getting a live audience is the problem, isn't it? Who would turn up? <laughs> right. I'm sure there must be some. Matt's, Matt's got loads of fans on YouTube. Maybe they oh, turn up sure. to see him. I've got a fly in from India. Do you think actually anybody would... You could get like some of your fans to come watch us do the podcast. Maybe it's like a competition we could it's do. Come watch sound. us record the podcast. Well, we'd like I think fly we should... people over or something. <clears throat> well, I mean, I think we should give if a you're prize in Berlin, it'd be handier. That's it. <laughs> yeah. But what? even if we give like a snack, I think people will come. Well, there's, I mean, the 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 Sprudelwasser machine doesn't work, <laughs> but the the rest, you know, we can. But get, there's beer. You just take there's the beer. podcast on the road. Hey. But we talked about it once, doing the podcast in other cities. Remember? I did, didn't we? Yeah. Nobody took us up on that. No, we're Shame. still doing it in the studio. Idea. Shame, isn't it? I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but you had somebody had some sort of ridiculous suggestion. You said you wanted to go to, like, Bristol or somewhere like that. Yeah, we did have this conversation now, didn't we? I think I did say Bristol, yeah. Bristol? Yeah, why not? Well, I places like Great city, Bristol. Sid- yeah, never could have picked Sydney city. or <laughs> Prague. You broke your microphone? Nope. No? Okay. <laughs> Just readjusting. Anyway, we're always open to going on the road. <laughs> I'd love Bristol, to. what are you saying? <laughs> what? That's a Bristol, what are you saying? Bristol. Get us over. <laughs> Come on, Bristol. Let us know. Anyway, joining me, Ema Court, on today's One Football Podcast is Matt Froelich. Hey. Dan Burke. Yo. And Joanna Bueno. Hi. Should you wish to get in touch, tell us what you think of the pod, send over any questions, the address to do so at podcast at onefootball.com. Or you can get onto iTunes, leave a review, let us know what you think. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You might remember last week, same lineup actually. Yeah, we might remember last week. We had a great question from a listener who asked us to name our five aside using one player from the top five leagues. Now, Matt messed it up. <laughs> by, yeah. He, yeah, he, he did didn't pick, prepare. He didn't. He played it like Payet or something like that. Either way, he messed it up. Mr. Banana Syrup Sauce has been in touch. I don't know if that's Mr. <laughs> banana syrup sauce. <laughs> Could you say it again? Mr. Banana, si- Mr. banana syrup sauce. <laughs> okay. Hair banana syrup sauce. It's a hard enough w- word to get out there. Uh, has been in touch. And um, I'm guessing it's a man. Says, here's my five-a-side team. League 1, Neymar. Bundesliga, Sancho. Premier League, Pogba. La Liga, Messi. And Serie A, Donnarumma. It's a decent shout, isn't Some it? Some ball is that, to be fair, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's okay. You're, it's okay. That's, that's not a ringing endorsement I wouldn't endorsement choose there. Neymar. He's injured half the year. <laughs> but on a five-a-side thing. Is this just one match or is it a whole season? Well, I don't know. It's, it's really <laughs> it's just, just in our heads. It's a five-a-side team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking by mine, so whatever. You okay. went to Serge Gnabry, didn't you, in your team? Mark? Oh, yeah. So. And I was proven right, Serge. Don't remind him of that. Time. But we'll get on to that. <laughs> we're going to get, get right on to it now. So oh. same people are back. Champions League is back. Let's start with Tuesday night's action and Chelsea versus Bayern. Chelsea's heaviest home defeat in the Champions League. Is this a humiliation? Losing 3-0 to Barca? Or Barca, Bayern? Um, I don't think it was a humiliation because it's obvious from the outset the difference in quality between the clubs. I know that if, if like a prime Chelsea had lost 3-0 to Bayern, you'd be like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty embarrassing. But as Lampard said after the game, it's, like, it's obvious there's a golfing class. I don't think anyone would expect this Chelsea team. And there was a sort of, oh, they're a young team, even though they weren't actually a young team. They had two players under 23. 
Um, it wasn't like a humiliation. Bayern just are the better team on paper and on the pitch and in terms of their quality, both in their domestic league and in the Champions League. They are a better side and everything technically went to plan. So I want to call it a humiliation, but they were brilliant. I did feel like it was a bit harsh on, on, uh, on Chelsea. 3-0 mm. against Bayern, who are an extremely good side. Yeah, exactly. That's not... I mean, yeah, if you say, oh, their biggest <clears throat> home defeat in Champions League first leg and they're practically out after one leg, yes, it looks a little humiliating. But no, it's certainly not an embarrassing defeat because, I mean, the quality that Bayern showed was exceptional. Mm. It was a schooling, I thought. You could tell from the first minute that Bayern <clears throat> just had all the experience mm. and Chelsea were just sort of... Like a dog chasing a balloon around all game, weren't they? Really, they just never really got a kick of the ball properly. Schooling seems like an easier way, yeah, yeah, a nicer way to to, to say it. Um, obviously, nil all at half time. What changed afterwards? Because Chelsea were okay. That you know, Muller had, had the header against the bar, yeah. and that, but Chelsea were still in it. Uh, Chelsea were still in it. I think just the quality showed through in the end for me. There was a few chances in the first half, especially Caballero actually made a few decent saves. Yeah. Recall the one from Lewandowski, especially sort of making himself big. And I guess just as the game wore on, you know, if you're going to have moments of quality in a match, then yeah, you might not score. But if you're going to be consistently quality like Bayern were, it was only going to be a matter of time before that extra pass was brilliant or they took one of their chances. And like all three goals were just... Mm. Like like the, the third goal was the perfect example. Under any other normal sort of situation, the ball breaks and then the defender clears it. But Alfonso Davis takes that one second to sprint through and then just plays it across Lewandowski and he just taps it in. That was just that that was a really quality moment, which if it wasn't taken, you wouldn't even remember it in the game. Mm-hmm. But I think they just continuously went and eventually these chances were going to come. He's quick. He's unbelievable. He's so good, Alonso yeah. Davis. I really love that performance. Yeah. Really love watching. I think that was the the game where the sort of the whole world has cottoned on to him now, haven't they? I think if you watch the Bundesliga, yeah. you'll know about him, but everyone knows about him now. Once that you get the goal. English media involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that third goal, I watched it in the, in the pub with a few people and, and Alex uh, and I just burst into spontaneous applause in the pub on that third goal after we just like burnt that. It's not something that we do normally. <laughs> we just both started clapping. You and Alex Moss yeah. just started clapping yeah. after that goal. Yeah. Someone needs high, to look into this. The highest, accolade, <laughs> highest accolade I could give the boy, yeah. And, he, <laughs> and Alex, of course, a former professional footballer. Exactly, so he, yeah. he would know he what would it takes. Know, he would know, yeah. Okay. Uh, any, I, I want to talk to you. You mentioned Caballero. Mm. Um, what does it say about Kepa if, in the biggest game of this season, he's dropped and this forty-year-old man takes his place? This, this was my question all along. This says a lot about Kepa and the future. And it's not that it's not that he's being dropped for saying, you know, for having a poor performance. You think, you know what, Kepa, I'm going to teach you a lesson. You sit out the next game, but you're back in. You're still number one. It's fine. Mm. But that was. Four or five games ago, I believe. And Caballero's still there. It's sort of like, all right, Kepa's learned his lesson now. He knows he did bad. He knows he's been out of the team, whatever. But, you know, come on, put him back in now. But now it's gone a bit beyond a joke. There must be something else there. I read an outrageous rumour the okay. other day that Chelsea are going to offer Kepa to Atletico in return for Oblak. It's not that outrageous. It seems to make sense to me. Oblak's a better keeper. Yeah, yeah, but there is no way Atletico on a, on this... On this earth would accept Kepa as a replacement for Oblak. I mean, from Chelsea, yeah, it'd be great. But, you know, someone actually hilariously commented it's like United trying to swap Phil Jones for Van Dijk. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it works so glaringly positively for one team, but not the other. Um, he was probably one of the more positive performances from Chelsea. 
Can yeah. We, can we single out anybody for their bad performances? Or is that the a good thing? The fans were a bit crap, weren't they? Yeah. When you go in, Christensen were getting pulled up, pulled all over the place. It was like, yeah, they just had no structure yeah. at all. Just getting I, th- I thought, off. sorry, as well, Jorginho was really poor. Not that he was terrible on the ball, but I think there was a massive golfing class between him and Thiago, both playing similar roles, both sort of deep-lying playmakers who keep their teams ticking over, keep it moving, keep it sharp, and then all of a sudden the ball's popping around and Jorginho's just sort of watching. And Thiago's the one who's really step up and it, it emphasised the golfing class between the two players and the two teams, even if Jorginho wasn't horrible. Mm. I read uh, one report that said Ross Barkley against Thiago was like Barney the Dinosaur against Godzilla. <laughs> so I felt it was a bit harsh on Barney. <laughs> God, yeah. Harsh on Barney. Harsh yeah. on Barney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I thought, yeah. Uh, Barkley... I I don't know what he's doing in a Premier League team, honestly. I have absolutely no idea. I'm with you on this. Like every time I watch a Chelsea match and he's on, it's like, what the hell? Mm. What is this guy doing there? Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't have an answer for you. I really don't. I'm similarly astounded that yeah. he gets to play for Chelsea. Yeah. He seems to be one of those who would do better as a shining light in a smaller team. He, he, seem, like he reminds Edison. me a little bit of... A, um, uh, that guy that played for Arsenal, the Brazilian, André... Under something? Gomez? No, the, the left back that paid for, for Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot his oh, last name. Um, Andre Santos. Andre Santos. Yeah, 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 he played for Flamengo as well. It's like, what was he doing there? <laughs> it's exactly the same feeling that I get. Sorry like, to do how this did to Brazilians, but when Gilberto moved to Spurs, the left back as well, I thought, what was he doing in the Premier League? <laughs> there were some good Brazilian left backs too, but those two were pretty... No, no. <laughs> I, I honestly, I got a call from... Um, uh, English uh, journalist at when he signed for Arsenal, you know, asking how how was the guy yeah. and you know what could, I could say about him. I said, well, not good things. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to lie a little bit so that it didn't seem like I was trashing the guy. You lied a little bit. Okay. Uh, is there a sense that the Chelsea board are actually the ones to blame for this defeat? Because they didn't buy in January. Because they didn't buy in January. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, L- Lampard wasn't happy about that, was he at mm. all? Um, whether they would have been able to buy enough decent players to make them better than Bayern Munich in a Champions League tie. I'm not sure, really. I think with Chelsea, it's, you know, with the transfer ban that they had, I think Lampard's done a pretty remarkable job. The fourth in the Premier League at the moment, all things considered, I think he's done, he's done really well there. And now it's just a case of getting to the sort of end of the season, finishing the top four again, hopefully, and then, uh, you know, buy some players in the summer and they might be a bit better equipped. But I think if yeah. he gets Chelsea into the top four, that's pretty miraculous. Yeah, it's a great, great achievement, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. But then at the same time, you have a very young or inexperienced team or a mm. new team that hasn't been playing together for you know two or three seasons. So the tendency is for the last part of the season for you to drop your performance a little bit. So mm. I think it's been they've been doing better than we expected, but they're also following the expectations. Mm. I think was well, an extra spot for the Champions League this year. What with Manchester City <laughs> and, uh, not playing? Could be. Anymore. Could be. Uh, two assists, one goal, his 39 goal of the season, Lewandowski, best number nine in the world. We're all, ag- yeah. We're all agreeing. Now injured. So, at now least this season, for sure. Yeah. yeah, he's out for three weeks now, is he? Yeah, Something three or four like weeks, yeah. yeah. I think they'll do okay without him. In the Champions League. In the Champions League, League it should be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, anyway. the Bundesliga might be a problem. Okay. Uh, you obviously picked Serge Gnabry in your controversial uh, five-a-side team. Uh, six goals in the Champions League this season. Only Haaland and Lewandowski have more. 
This mm. is a guy who uh, Tony Pulis quite famously said was not at the level to play for West Bromwich Albion. Still I'm isn't. Not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Tony, Tony didn't quite realise what he was saying uh, yeah. there. Can you explain? Was he always this good or is it just... It's, what is it? I, I feel like he's a, a product of his, in, his environment. The, 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 the bigger club he's got to, the more he's raised his game and he's really sort of pulled his finger out his ass and... You know, has realised when he's got to um, where was he before? Was it he was on loan at Hoffenheim? I think he was from Werder Bremen, Bremen. went to Bayern, but spent a season on loan in Hoffenheim. Yeah, okay. So he he left Arsenal, went to Bremen, and he kind of you know regularly played and realised, oh, this is actually what I'm supposed to be doing. Instead of out on a few loans, then improved and then went to Bayern. And I think maybe being in that kind of surrounding and realising that I can't just waste the opportunity of sitting on the bench or being in the reserves. I need to step up a game and he's sort of he's evolved as his own career has evolved and taken him higher because he can't be the same player that was you know under Pulis at West Brom otherwise that is the biggest piece of gross mismanagement you've ever seen <laughs> so no I think at the time yeah Pulis was probably right but he just seems to have grown with every step kind of raising himself to the next level every time mm. Tony Pulis and that hat yeah <laughs> oh god <clears throat> that hat uh, Gnabry has scored as many goals in London this season as Alexander Lacassette it's interesting. Yeah, he's like a bigger hero to Arsenal fans now than he was. Yeah. For the <laughs> uh, so Jorginho suspended. Alonso banned. Kante unlikely to be back. Bayern at home. No way back for Chelsea. No. Who made the decision to watch the Napoli game? I watched the second half because after Bayern did 2 nil, I just switched to Napoli to see if there's something interesting going on there. Okay. Um, do you regret that decision or is it something that you are... It wasn't yeah, okay the best with? match, I have to say. <laughs> but it was interesting, yeah, it was okay. Okay, well, you were talking last week, you and Matt had a, a discussion about anti-football, what constitutes yes. anti-football. Mm. Yes. Napoli pretty much played with 10 defenders. That's anti-football. But it, that's Italian right? football <laughs> also, right? Oh, well, that's yeah. Italian but football. Well, I don't really enjoy the Italian style, I have to say. But in the Italian football, I think Napoli is one of the teams that, you know, f does not follow the rule. But against Barcelona, you have to say that, you know, they are a much weaker team. It's not like Atletico. So I think that they pretty much did what usually weaker teams do and trusted on their, you know, powerful forward man and Mertens. And then after he left injured, I, I don't think they had a choice especially if you don't have also your best defender, who's Koulibaly, was injured. Mm. So, I mean, they were pretty much, you know, let, let's keep this 1-1 one, one and see if we can turn this around later. So just, Jake, you were happy with their anti-football. I was not happy, but I was not <laughs> disappointed. Okay. That's the thing. Uh, what a goal, by the way. Can we just acknowledge yeah, beautiful that? beautiful goal. <clears throat> Very nice. I think PK moved out of the way a bit too early for me, kind of. You can't see what I'm doing. This is a podcast. <laughs> <Not either>. <laughs> <laughs> I moved back several inches. <laughs> yeah, he did the pullback. But that's yeah. a, he scores beautiful goals usually. Yeah. Mertens. This is he was not a leading goal scorer now or joint with, joint with yeah. uh, Hamzik. Yeah. 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 Uh, can anybody say, explain the celebration? No, no, okay. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay, sorry, missed that. Maybe one. if anybody can uh, inform us of that, that would be handy. Yeah. Uh, Fifty-seven minutes it took for Barcelona to get their first shot on target. So you might have seen that. Um, ended the game with just two on target. Can we all admit that they're boring to watch now? 
I can't Can stand watching them. I have to say, every single match of Barcelona this season, when I watch, one is worse than the other. And I always say, well, let's watch a Barcelona. Let's give them a shot. And I just get disappointed and disappointed. And it's like, oh, my God, where's the Barcelona that we've grown to admire, you know? It's lost. I have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And if you look at the squad, it's not a bad squad. But the way that they're playing, it's like as if they're, they're a middle-table a Spanish team fighting against Atletico, for example. Like, they can't score, they can't pass the ball, they're losing some really easy shots. I have absolutely no idea. There seems to be a lack of, like, leaders and direction aside from Messi. They all seem to be in this transition phase where they're each... They each seem to be saying, especially the younger players, like, oh, I'm, I'm the next generation, I'll be good in a few years. And there's no one who's good now. Everyone's just sort of waiting. For me, I'll probably regret this by next week's podcast or whenever I'm invited back. I think you might Classico, not be. You might not be invited back. I think Classico will be dreadful. Oh, we're going to talk. About, at, yeah, we're preview. Sorry, we're going to talk about that uh, in but, a minute. Yeah, yeah. I, really I, think, I have to say that since Iniesta left, I don't think they've learned how to play without Iniesta, like the midfield. Mm. I don't trust Barcelona's midfield anymore. And this was something that you know we were speaking earlier in the, in the early 2000s. Everyone wanted Barcelona's midfield. And they didn't know how to replace him. I mean, they have Artur, they have Vidal, they have um, De Jong, but they're, they're just not playing as they they were supposed to, I think. On a scale of one to Sergio Ramos, how stupid was what Vidal did? <laughs> I guess it was Head Pepe buddy. stupid, not Sergio yeah, Ramos. Pepe, it's, yeah. it's beyond so, Sergio uh, Ramos. Yeah. So he was going to get booked for the foul anyway. Yeah. And then he headbutted the guy and got in, a second. So we got two yellows straight in... One in front of the referee. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I hate that like headbutting thing that they do in football. All this co- sort of like squaring up to each other because you know someone's never going to throw a punch on a football pitch mm. because you're going to get sent off and banned for eight games or something, aren't you? So it's all just this bravado and they've got this like little. It's not even a headbutt. It's like a sort of nudging of heads, like yeah. rhinos or something, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I just think it's pathetic. Yeah, that's a good give it up, people. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. yeah. Normally it's Matt who rants, but yeah, that's that's quite good. <laughs> if you filled in quite well for him. Uh, so he's out of the next leg. Busquets is out of the next leg. There might be no PK. Who PK's going to be fit, apparently. Oh, he is yeah, going to be fit, is he? He's going to be fit for the Classico as well. So I oh, okay. He'll be well, okay, yeah. Scrap that bit then. But there is no Busquets so, and there's no yeah. Vidal. Who, you want to make a prediction on that one? I'd time? say Bar- Barca haven't lost a, a home game in the Champions League at Camp Nou for seven years now. So I don't see that ending anytime soon, really. Seven years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say that was the Bayern game. And they lost three yeah, yeah. nil. They lost like seven nil overall. Yeah, you might be Probably right because yeah. that was two thousand thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Good, good memory. Yeah, good memories, yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Joanna, you watched the game? Well, yeah, I think you know, as I spoke, Barcelona is very disappointed, but there's still Barcelona. It's still Messi. It's still Camp now, so I think they'll go through. Matt, you're shaking your head. Agree, agreeing with Joanna. Yeah. Yeah. The boss okay. will go through. Elsewhere, little old Manchester City. <laughs> the little little of the Manchester City. <laughs> they beat the bad boys of Real Madrid. Dan, I'd put it to you, this might be their most important victory in so many psychological ways in the Champions League. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think um, this little underdog narrative that's now being formed around City is nice <laughs> after what's gone on lately. Uh, yeah, I, it was. We the whole time that Guardiola had been at City, we'd never won one of these big. Champions League away games I think his record even going back before he came to City was pretty terrible I think he'd lost like 10 of 11 knockout away legs or something like that from the quarterfinal onwards so yeah they, they needed this result it was a real sort of watershed moment for them I think and 
you know, the, it did the, feel like that. It really yeah, did feel like that. And I'm watching the game and one nil down. And I'm thinking it's another Champions League bottle job. We've done it again. Uh, going to get knocked out. This is going to be it. We're not going to play it for the next two years. You know, we might as well not bother in future. You and didn't stand. You weren't applauding at that stage. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no. And then yeah, space in the space of eight minutes, they're suddenly two one up and probably should have been should have had a third goal by the by the end of it. So yeah, what what a win it was. Really. Right after those eight minutes, right before those eight minutes, Zidane takes out Vinicius and Pipe puts Sterling. It was a different match before yeah. one match before mm. that and another match afterwards so it changed completely yeah. City are just the second side to beat Madrid away from home in the Champions League despite conceding the first goal the last one was Milan in October 2009 and would you believe it I actually remember watching that game because Pato and you know we like to talk about Pato uh, had one of I would say maybe mm. the best performance of his career and scored Pirlo scored an opener for Milan and then Pato scored two late on and I think it might have been oh who was it that scored for maybe Seedorf might have scored for Madrid but it was it, Pato was unplayable that mm. day I was in the Santiago Bernabeu that day you were there yes it was <laughs> my second uh, Champions League match in my life but the first one I was um I entered the stadium a little bit later, so it was the first time I heard the Champions League anthem, and I have to say there was a little tear dropping from my eye. Oh. <laughs> so you remember? So you remember that yeah, panel performance there. then? Paid a hundred euros for to be there. Yeah. <laughs> How things have gone awry for him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he scored now? the first goal in like the last one year the other day. So where is, is he? he? He's playing in Sao Paulo and he was like without scoring a goal for the last nine months or oh something gosh. like that. So when he did score a goal, his coach kissed him in the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> How old is he now? I don't know. I feel like he's 40, but I think no, he's, no, he no. might be 27, maybe. 27? 26. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. No, he's like 31 or something. 34 or something he like that. a brief spell at Chelsea. I don't know, because when he went to Milan, he was yeah. 17 years old. So, yeah, so he's not even 30. No, but he wasn't 17,009. Well, he might be. Do we have a... Uh, let, somebody I'll, somebody I'll can Google this. I'll, 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 uh, I'll crack on with the podcast and we, somebody <laughs> can Google that. Uh, Dan, the team selection caused a couple of raised eyebrows. No yeah. Sterling, no Aguero, no Fernandinho. Uh, your initial reaction? Definitely not clapping again. No, no. I was, I was. I mean, you sort of expect Guardiola to do something a bit weird whenever we play these these Champions League games, and um, you do, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. true. Would you remember me saying a few weeks ago that me and my mates are playing the guest Guardiola's yes. team game? We're still playing it. No one's still got it right. So oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> keep us updated on that. Yeah, I, will, I would like I to know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was like interesting in terms of the players he left out and the way that they set up and stuff. And again, it was one of those when when we're losing one 0 I'm like, why didn't he just play the way that we usually play? Mm. Come here, we might have had a better chance than this. He's messed it up again. He's overthought things. Then they win two one, and everyone says, what a brilliant game plan that was. So, mm. so. what was the thing? Because it was basically four two four zero it was all over the place I think. Yeah. yeah so we sort of had like Gundogan and Rodri sort of holding hands in the middle of the park mm. um, stopping Madrid kind of like breaking on them um, Gabriel Jesus was playing like left on the left left back inside. basically at some yeah, stage at some points yeah mm. um, De Bruyne was getting forward more than he usually does he was playing sort of a number 10 where normally he plays like a number 8 um, Mares was sort of drifting in field as well so yeah, there's a lot, lot going on there, and it was really effective. And like you said, when Joanna, when Sterling came on, um, what I was the change in formation then when Sterling came on? Well, Sterling went out to the left, and then De Bruyne was sort of 
sort of went and joined him over on the left-hand side and they just kind of overloaded um, Danny Carvajal and that was how the penalty came about, basically. Mm. He sort of, Pep seems to spot a weakness over on their, their right-back position and mm. went for it. And This Pep, he might be on to something here. Yeah. He might be, he might be mm. a good player. Did we find out his age? Pat Jose? 30. 30? 30. Wow. You were closest. Congratulations. <laughs> um, Jesus... I think he justified his inclusion, right? Yeah, that was Is it Jesus? Jesus. Jesus, okay. yeah. That was probably his watershed moment as well, actually. I think, wow. you know, he's he scored his scoring record is actually pretty good for City, but he's a bit of a kind of flat track bully, a bit of a stat padder, as they call him on, on Twitter nowadays. You know, he's stat he always, padder. He, nice he never scores yeah, big goals, he never scores against big teams, you know, he'll he'll score a hat trick against Dinamo Zagreb in a dead rubber, but then when it sort of counts He's not really there, and I thought he, he worked his socks off, um, did really well, t- took his goal really well as well. So um, More than yeah. worked, maybe, is the thinking that he would work a bit harder than Aguero, is that what it was? I think it was more the fact that he could play out on the left, like Aguero okay. was very central. Um, I mean, it, it, there was a point where I was like, okay, you've got to get Aguero on here, and then mm-hmm. two minutes later, Jesus scored. So again, the whole game was just a demonstration of how little I know about football, basically. <laughs> <laughs> And definitely one of the one of the Bruyne's better displays in the city shirt. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, that cross for the the first goal was delicious, and we scored a penalty. Oh, you did! That's the biggest yes. thing about City. Yeah. That's the, that yes. was what we took away from it. That was our big thing that we've scored a penalty at last. When they had the penalty, I said, "Ah, it's okay. City yeah. never scores a penalty." And then they and did. De Bruyne doesn't usually take him. He did. He last took one about three years ago and missed. Ooh. And everyone's always said, "Why isn't De Bruyne taking them?" Well, that's why he should be taking them. I still want Ederson to take it. <laughs> yeah, me too. That, oh, the comedy of him missing and then yeah. sprinting back is going to be brilliant. <laughs> Unlike, uh, who was it that didn't sprint back at the weekend? Oh, Pepe Reina. Was it Pepe Reina? Went up for a late... Oh, yeah. Did he go right, for like yeah. a late header and yeah. then didn't bother sprinting back and then yeah, Southampton yeah. scored? <laughs> like oh, it's I did see that, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Emmerich Laporte, more bad news. Yeah. Keeps on coming. Yep. That, I mean, that was I, when he went off. I thought, well, that's it. We're, we're out now. <laughs> There's no mm. way we're going to get through two legs against Real Madrid without him. And Otamendi cocked up a bit for the goal. As to Kyle Walker, I have no faith in Otamendi at all. I think from what I heard that Laporte's injury is a hamstring injury, oh, so he's not he's not done his knee again, right. which is a relief. Hamstring but it's the kind of injury be. that happens when you stay when you don't play for a long time, exactly, and then you yeah. go back and you have a muscle injury. Yeah, yeah it's very common. So hopefully it could only be three or four weeks or something like that. I don't, I've not really heard much of a diagnosis yet. But. Uh, myself and Joanna over coffee earlier were wondering, is Kyle Walker's main role at the club to be the highest point in the celebration? Have you noticed this? Could he's, be, yeah. he's always jumping on players' backs <laughs> during the celebration. Yeah. So whenever you see any photos of this, he's at least three or four feet higher than anybody <laughs> else. So we thought that, would, I mean, other than defending, of course, we thought that was his... Maybe there's a clause in his contract Maybe, or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, it would explain a lot. Yeah, David May was always a good one for these. Oh yeah, and David Beckham too, as, as Lewis Ambrose. <laughs> the the one I always find at Tottenham is Serge Aurier. Watch what? any goal; the first guy I celebrate with him is Aurier. It's so weird. <laughs> it's like because we never score from his side, so they'll score, they run off to the corner flag. Aurier's there first yeah. every time. Well, but this was the point that I was talking to Lewis about this earlier, and he was making the point that Beckham would do it. And Beckham would obviously ping like a 40 or 50 yard yeah. ball. So we'd have to keep on running then and then get all the way to <laughs> yeah, the celebration. Yeah, everyone's celebrating. He's their yeah. last on the shoulders, on jump the shoulders. up. Yeah. He knows where the camera is, Bex. Well, this is also a thing. Is it, is it like a brand building thing, you know? That's, that, that, that was a little conspiracy theory going around earlier. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, 
Croy, can anybody explain to me why Tony Kroos was dropped? It seemed like that would make a huge difference. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, I mean, Valverde did a, is doing a great season mm. and has been playing really well. But I certainly would not put him in such a decisive and, you know, tough match. And I certainly would not put him in the place of Tony Kroos I, mm-hmm. and would definitely make some changes in the end. And would, it's not what happened either. So I have absolutely no idea what happened with Dan. Also, when taking Vinicius out, because he was the best player in, in Real Madrid, I know that he has something against him because, you know, he's been putting him on the bench and sometimes not even on the bench, apparently for no reason. But Which, what do you mean? No reason? There must be something there. Well, yeah, but no technical reason. Like he's, he was playing well. Apparently, something uh, about behavior and you know. But uh, he was playing well, and he went to the bench, and sometimes not even on the bench. And then he gets this major chance, and he plays amazingly. And then he's off for the golf player. <laughs> oh, I couldn't really understand that. The golf player? Yeah. Bale. Oh, Bale, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got me there for a second. <laughs> the professional golfer. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the Tony Cross documentary on Amazon? No. Okay. <clears throat> have you? No, but I'm dying to watch oh, it. Oh, okay. One of the guys in the office told me it was great. Really? Yeah, but I think he's friends with Tony Cross, so oh, that's why okay. he, he probably thinks <laughs> it's great. Or his mum is friends with Tony Cross's mum, something, something along those lines. Okay. Uh, Dan, second leg, a couple of weeks, what does Pep need to do? I think he'll, he will play, I mean, they're in such a strong position now, you know, they've got two away goals, um, Ramos is suspended, which could be massive for Real Madrid, should be. Dagger through my heart. <laughs> Usually Sergio Ramos does not win when uh, Sergio Ramos is suspended, especially well, in Real knockout Madrid stages. Don't Real Madrid, yeah, Sergio yeah. Sergio Ramos doesn't Especially in, in knockout stages, and mm. there was one play, uh, one match that I remember that uh, he forced the card to play against Barcelona and then they lost the match and they didn't play so it was, mm-hmm. you know it's very expected that yeah. it's well, that was might it. when not he got sent good. off I was kind of thinking gotta get a third goal here kill it now mm-hmm. and they didn't so the door is ajar for Real Madrid still mm-hmm. and I think City will perhaps play a bit more of their kind of natural game and just go out and try and win the game then because you've always got the, the handicap of the away goals to fall back on haven't you so oh it's two of them too yeah prediction for that one coming up prediction for Real Madrid City yeah for the second leg why not <clears throat> I would say lots of goals because that's usually what happens in a second leg in a knockout stage in Champions League. But I would say City, City goes through. Matt, City? Yeah, 2 1 City. I'm going. Yeah, I would say that as well. Ooh. Uh, Matt, Juventus. <clears throat> Did you see that defeat coming? Because, you know, Leon, seventh in Liga without some of their best players. Yeah, th- this, this feels like it had a sort of Barca Napoli feel to it, where one was so overwhelmingly a favourite and such a giant in their division, European football. And, you know, Leon have done well recently, but I mean, they're missing especially Memphis Depay, mm. who was their guy throughout the season and the, the group stage as well. Missing so many key players and just genuinely not being up to the level that. Um, that Juventus are at was, yeah, it was really, really bizarre. I'm still not convinced, though, by Sarri at Juventus. And it I sounds feel, like the players are not convinced. I feel like the players aren't convinced and for us to believe the board aren't convinced either. Um, so, yeah, I think he's walking a very, very fine line. And, I mean, look, all signs point to Juventus winning at home. But if for whatever reason they don't, this could be very serious for Sarri. It's hard to see him holding on to his job when that's the one trophy they'd really want. Yeah, when the rest of them are sort of expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah for not sure. Trust a sorry team to win the Champions League. I don't think. No, yeah. but I think unfortunately that's the way it goes for a lot of teams. Like when you're expected to win the other trophies, looking at PSG especially, and to some extent Manchester City, if it wasn't for Liverpool. If you don't win the Champions League, the rest of them are just like meh. 
But yeah, I thought Juve were really poor. You see, Sarri after the game said they need to pass the ball quicker. And I had two thoughts. I thought, one, they're not passing the ball quicker because they haven't been told to. So that's your fault, Sarri. <laughs> right? Or two, the second one was, if they're not passing the ball quicker, you should have known this and then you should implement this. So in both cases, it's it's down to you. Like, I don't know... I don't quite know sort of what he's expecting and what his game plan was, but yeah, Juve have better players than this, but I don't know, maybe not as good as they thought. Okay, but you think they can do it in the second leg? But it's Ronaldo. This this is the thing I think about Real Madrid City. If Ronaldo was still at Real Madrid, he's the guy that would just some magical evening and Real Madrid would beat City, but they don't have him. And I think... It's the same thing at, at Lyon. He'll it's, probably score a hat. It's like Barcelona leg. against Napoli. Even if they don't have yeah. Busquets or whatever, they have Messi. You know, yeah. he might just be inspired and score three goals. Messi and Ronaldo could, I'm guessing, will both turn it on at home in the second legs against Napoli and Lyon, and both win. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, another thing I'm somewhat excited for is this Sunday, which sees Barcelona travel to Madrid, second installment of El Clasico this season. Mm. Is this still the biggest game in world football? No. It's not really, is it? It, well, it depends what you mean. What, what is that? <laughs> well, let's let him rant first. <laughs> well, no, I was going to... I just... I'm talking in terms of quality, like... The, the, the Messi-Ronaldo thing was the biggest draw because they were the best and it drove insane games with the players all stepping up their quality. And now, as I mentioned earlier, that I just don't think the interest... I don't think the intensity is there in World Classical. I remember watching the first one this season and Messi was really poor... And it almost felt like he didn't have anything to aspire to. Like, you know Ronaldo's that guy that he is going to turn up, he is going to make something happen, he is going to rile people up, he's going to do something, right? And if it's bad, it's, if, if it's something bad for Ronaldo, it's great for the game. And if Ronaldo does something brilliant, like score or beat a few players, Messi's not having any of it. And he's going to go out determined to prove Ronaldo wrong. But now without that sort of competition, I just think... It's a bit meh. Because there was a time when the Classicos were unmissable. Oh my God, yeah. That like 2010 to 2015 period was just phenomenal. Ah, oh, every game was like the biggest thing ever. 2011, they played four Classicos in 18 days. Yeah, yeah that was it. Yeah, that was oh. oh my weren't God. weren't so good. The matches were not as good as we expected, but yeah. It was... Better than any Netflix series I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but there was like, there was an intensity to it. And yeah. Mm, yeah. There was like a real, it was a real rivalry. This one feels a bit... There were stars on both yeah. teams. And, and also because uh, none of the team, it's not just Ronaldo missing. Hmm. like none of the teams are playing like this football you expect yeah. from them. So it's kind of like and maybe they'll you know show up in the classical and turn it around and prove us wrong, but it's kind of feels you, a bit it, weird. It feels to me like neither of them want to be on the wrong side of a sort of a smashing in the classical, obviously. But neither of them have really got the risk takers, the ones who are going for the glory in the headlines. It's very, it's very drab. And Barcelona are playing four four two at the moment, Ugh. and this is just very the most anti Barca thing you've ever heard of, and they haven't got you know, game changers. And the ones now, and it's left up to 19-year-old Vinicius Jr., who's a game changer. He gets the ball, everyone stands up, and he beats two men, and something happens, the intensity rises, and it's great. Apart from that, Martin Braithwaite's not going to do it. Vidal's not going to do it. Arthur's not going to do it. Fede Valverde, there's no one, obviously Messi, but there's no one who's really going to up the intensity, and the other team's going to think, oh, we're in a game here. I miss Ronaldo. I I miss, honestly... 
It's one of the things I miss outside of my own team having a striker. Whereas <laughs> Ronaldo is Ronaldo versus Messi in Classico. It was just a great era for football. You know, someone told me last night that Ronaldo's apparently having a hair transplant and that's why he's got this man bun oh thing going on at the moment because he has to grow it out long or something. And Allegedly. He's Allegedly. not going bald, Allegedly. is he? Allegedly not. Bale's probably doing the same. <laughs> Allegedly. Let's just keep ourselves uh, clean here. Um, so if it isn't the biggest game in world football, as you ask, what is? I don't know. I don't think anything really compares to it in terms of the sort of the history of two. Mm. I mean, maybe you would say like Manchester United, Liverpool is like mm. the biggest game in English football. But again, Manchester United and now. They're, they're not, I mean, if you ask me what would I rather watch like Manchester City versus Liverpool or Barca v Real Madrid at the moment, I'd probably go for City v Liverpool. I think that'll be a better game. Yeah, but I'm also very attracted to the whole history and the context of, of Real which Madrid, of the Classico or of the Classico of Real Madrid Barcelona, and we also have to say that uh, Real Madrid's two points behind Barcelona in La Liga, so mm. it's all or nothing for them because Barcelona's probably not going to lose any points against the other small oh, this teams. This is going to so. be a one-all draw. This but, has one-all draw written all over it. But that's what makes it so good, like that era. It was the two best players, the two best teams, the titles, the Champions League, everything was kind of set up perfectly. I feel with some other games, there's always one obviously weaker opponent. Liverpool are going to be expected to beat City. Right, and that's kind of... Liverpool definitely going to be expected to beat Man United. Mm. Right, and... You know, it's kind of, there's not, when two teams aren't on the same level, the, the rivalry's never as intense. I think I'd rather watch Tottenham Arsenal than a classical. <laughs> That's great. I mean, they're both going for the that same. always delivers Tottenham Arsenal. But yeah. there's, there's always something yeah. feisty about yeah. it. You know? There's always something ridiculous that happens Spurs Arsenal. I still think, and I'm not even being biased, it's still one of the best derbies in England, for sure. It's definitely one of the best in London. Well, I mean, the funny thing is that in London, everyone hates Spurs and they're always trying to beat them. But the Tottenham Arsenal, there's always something interesting. Jeez, that's an interesting question. What is the most hated team in London? Tottenham. Surely ask ask any Chelsea, no, a, Arsenal Chelsea. or West Ham fan. Surely the answer is Chelsea. It's Chelsea. I thought it was Chelsea, but... I'm, oh, oh, I'm oh sorry. Local, you mean so. overall? Oh, okay, Chelsea. Yeah. I thought you meant between the clubs. No, no, no. But, uh, oh, oh, okay. In the city. <laughs> then, yeah, then, yeah, probably Chelsea. But in terms of... Um, yeah, in terms of Arsenal's biggest rival is Spurs. Chelsea's biggest oh, yeah, rival yeah, is Spurs yeah, and West yeah. Ham's biggest rival is Spurs. Yeah. All three so it is Chelsea. We yeah. Spurs. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Dan, you're working on the five questions for yeah. uh, this great one football app that everybody should download mm. uh, ahead of the game. Do you want to share a couple of thoughts with yeah, us? Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, so well, one of them was about <laughs> how, <laughs> how Real Madrid would cope without Hazard. Uh, the performance mm. against City would suggest not very well, but then they weren't coping particularly brilliantly with him. They, they <laughs> drew with Celta Vigo a couple of weeks ago when he played, when he made his comeback. Uh, they lost to Levante last week. Um, I think they've won, they sort of won most of the games that he was out for, and I don't know if he's going to play How many games season. did he play for Real Madrid in the season? Like nine, ten? Not I don't that know. many, like, yeah, maybe 15 or something mm. at most. He scored one goal, two assists, I think he's got, so yeah, it's not worked out for him very well so far, unfortunately. Uh, another one was could Martin Brathwaite start was uh, one I was sort of thinking he said they're playing this sort of insipid 4-4-2 at the moment yeah. against um, who did they play last week Ibar Ibar yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry isn't it yeah. Yeah. Um, Arturo Vidal played on the left and he played pretty well and then he played on the right against Napoli mm-hmm. and you sort of think well maybe he's going to go for a front three with maybe Brathwaite at the number nine and Griezmann on the left and Messi on the right maybe yeah. it's possible um, he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't. Braithwaite hasn't played just yet, has he? He, he came he off did. the bench he, last week. He, he, oh, he against played against yeah. Abar. He, he gave an assist. Started. He no. gave an assist at the end of no. the match. No. Oh, okay. And his name is Brathwaite, by the way. Just a, a very quick aside. Yeah. So he, um, he, his dad is from Guyana, 
and he moved over to Denmark in the 60s or somewhere, and the immigration authorities misspelled his name. They put an I in the name. Mm-hmm. There should be no I in Brathwaite. So it's pronounced Wow. Yes. So it's, Brad- it's not Braithwaite. It's Brathwaite, yes. Brathwaite. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant uh, fact. What else have we got? <laughs> yeah, who, good who, knowledge, who's it? got the best coach, would you say? Barcelona or Real Madrid? Well, Zidane, of Zidane, course. Zidane, I would have guessed. Even though he in did terms some, of his record, he, he is, he, is some, he actually a good coach? Yes, he is. I think he's an amazing coach. That's why I don't understand his decisions of taking Vinicius mm. and and also not playing Tony Kroos. But I think he's amazing. You don't think it's he creates an environment in which I mean I guess that's part of coaching creating yes. an environment in which people can succeed. I think the greatest addition that he brought to Real Madrid was the environment because they had a team with great players that did not play well nobody knew why and then he more or less you know made everyone get along and that was his main team but I think in the Champions League final against Juventus I was pretty sure that he's a great coach because the team was not uh, I remember in that match it was very tough and they could not shot, shoot on goal and it was new-new. And then he made one uh, change, was Isco. He changed his position, if I'm not mistaken. And then the match completely overturned and it was like a 3-0, I think, in the end. So I think that he n- reads the game and he does the changes necessary, which is also why I was so surprised last night. Was it us who was talking about how good Zidane was? One. As a player or coach? Oh. No, as a player. Oh, oh yeah, he's one of my favorite players of all time. Like, I feel like he's because com- I went back and watched some stuff. I feel like he's completely underrated. He yeah. was amazing. He is amazing. He's one of my favorite <laughs> players of all time, and he scored two final uh, World Cup goals against me. So I should hate him, but I don't. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, nineteen ninety-eight. Unbelievable. Any any more? I uh, watched. Sorry, I watched like a three-minute video of his first touch the other day. It was sensational. Yeah, I watched that one as well. Did you watch the movie where it's him all the time? Yeah, there's oh, a yeah, 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 and yeah. it's just him. Yeah. That's amazing. It sounds like a boring movie because it's ninety minutes of just one player. It's amazing. I, you know, I had to study that at college. That whole film. Well, it's I unbelievable. Went, I went to Mugwire, one of my favorite bands, and I went to see them play it live with the screening of it in uh, in the Barbican in London. It was immense. Wow, it's nice. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, one player who's uh, not living up to Zidane's reputation is Benzema at the moment, I don't think. Ooh. So that was another question that I had, whether he's becoming a bit of a problem for Real Madrid. I thought he was pretty poor against City again. Mm. And, uh, and as you touched on earlier, will this game decide who wins the title? It's a real sort of six-pointer for Barca win. The five points clear. If Real Madrid win, they go top. So They've yeah. just given him a new contract, though, actually, Benzema. One more year. Yeah, till 2022. Yeah. 22, yeah. Yeah. He scored one league goal since 15th of December. And he was the guy last season, pretty much. Mm. Him and Vinicius. Like, he was the well, one what, filling yeah. up for the goals that mm. Ronaldo so he hasn't, was not So he hasn't there. scored a league goal all year? He's got one since the 15th of December, I think it is. Yeah, so. Oof. Okay. Damn. I feel like this has got one one draw written all over it. Anybody, yeah. anybody else? That's it. That, going back to the original question about whether it's still the biggest game, we need like a really good game to remind us of what this this fixture the potential it has mm. and we've not had that for such a long time and I don't see that changing yeah. this weekend unfortunately oh, no. yeah I don't have any high expectations about it either but at the same time you do have really good players in the pitch they might turn it around not Ronaldo but maybe they'll surprise us I hope so I'm just trying to think of who who's going to be that guy like Griezmann Vinicius <laughs> yeah Vinicius is the only one I can think of I hope he plays. Yeah, is the he made Ronaldinho at the. He's Bernabeu. the one filling out for Hazard. He should be the one taking mm. his place. Well, actually, yeah. Hazard was taking his place. So yeah, it, 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 Vinicius will start ahead of Gareth Bale. We expect. I expect so. Yeah. Okay. 
Gareth's got a golf game that day. So. <laughs> <laughs> His golfing career is busy. Can't can be, can be ever time for football when you're so busy with the golf. I was watching the match yesterday uh, on a Spanish television. Oh, yeah. So the Spanish narrators went nuts when he took Vinicius out. They went nuts. And then there was... In a good way or a bad way? In a bad way. Like, okay, what the, what the hell is he thinking? You know, why is he taking him? And Vinicius did a such a great match. And, this, and, you know, Spanish narrators, they're not like English or German narrators. They go wild during the match. No, so I've they seen. were... Yeah, they were going nuts and then there was one particular camera after I think I'm not sure if after City tied or when they turned it around shooting on Vinicius and he was and then they were like you know this is why and they started going like Zidane shouldn't have done that Vinicius should have played the whole match and this and that so I think I'm not the only one thinking that I think maybe all Spanish commentators are intense yeah well, not as much as Brazilians. I heard a lot of complaints about Steve McManaman from my English friends last night mm. who were watching back at BT Sport. He was trending. He was dreadful, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's often the way that you have an amazing player who can't, but who can't really articulate just why things are happening, but if you were to put him on a pitch, they could... They could play very, very well. Well, he's one of the worst players that ever played for City, as far as I'm concerned, Steve McManaman. So. I mean, he was, you did he get was, him at the butt end of his <laughs> yeah, career. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't get him at the he right time. He was like a wage thief when he played for City. <clears throat> I hated him. Okay, but well, he was yeah. good. He won two. He scored Champions League goals for Real Madrid. Yeah. Champions League yeah. final with yeah, final. Well, that's good, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two, play, uh, two separate occasions. Mm. Real Madrid. Yeah, and did did okay at Liverpool too. You just got the wrong. <laughs> we used to call him McPoint a lot because he just like point to things on the pitch all the time. Yeah. Ah, your mates are so creative. <laughs> McMinimum was another one. <laughs> McMinimum, that's a good one. Okay, that's better. Uh, uh, so you may or may not know this, but this season's first silverware is going to be awarded this Sunday. Ooh. League Cup final. The real quiz. The <laughs> with uh, City almost certainly overcoming Aston Villa. Does uh, does this even count as a real trophy? Of course, Dan? it counts as a trophy. Mm. Does the FA Cup count as a real trophy? Ah, but the FA Cup has got the magic yeah, and yeah, all yeah, of that yeah. jazz. Okay, so <laughs> it definitely counts. Um, a lot of talk earlier in the season when the fixture congestion comes out and mm. all of that sort of thing that uh, the League Cup should be scrapped, which I think it should be scrapped. But that's yeah. you're you're in favour of it. I like the League Cup, yeah, and it has nothing to do with the fact that City keep winning it every year. Either. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the only reason. Now I've always liked the League Cup, and I think like. Yeah, as you said, when Liverpool um, had that uh, FA Cup replay and they played the under-23s, that this sort of debate came again. Whether, are we playing too many games? Does something need to go? I think even Guardiola said that he thinks they should get rid of the League Cup to kind of ease the strain. But I think like football isn't just about Champions League teams, is it? There's lots of clubs mm. in England whose fans deserve a bit of hope of some sort of glory. But that's what the FA Cup is for. Well, there's two chances to, for a bit of glory. Yeah. But you, City uh, wins it every year. Poor I would let him get his point across <laughs> first, not, and then you can. That's not a good argument because him, City wins it every let year. Let him get his point across recently, first. Recently, recently, I mean, you know, Aston Villa fans are going to go down to Wembley this weekend for the first time. In, well, they, they played them in the playoffs last year, so but for actual cup final for a long time. And mm. when I went, you know, before City got the money, when we were really crap, I used to literally dream that one day we might get to a Carling Cup final, as it was then. So now, how times have changed? Yeah. For you, Dan. So now I'm still. You know, thinking of the little guy, really, and I think it's, yeah. Okay. The, the, there are things that we can do to reduce fixture congestion that doesn't necessarily mean just binning the whole composition, I don't think. Like, they want to expand the Champions League. No one seems to be bothered about that, really. I'm it's already too that. bloated as mm. it is, the Champions League. Do we need six group games every single year? The group stage, the Champions League is a tournament from the last 16 onwards. It is brilliant, the best thing in the world. The group stage is dreadful, I think. There's a real disconnect between the two. Mm. So, yeah, I just think it's a bit... Um, 
I'd agree, yeah. I, I quite yeah. like the fact, even though you are s- still a multi-millionaire, in football terms, let's <laughs> say, that you haven't forgotten your roots. Yeah. I think that says a lot about you, Dan. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you you're in favour of getting rid of it. Yeah, definitely. Go on. I think uh, English season, English She's football season is too uh, <laughs> exhausting. It goes through Christmas and New Year's and it goes all year long. And you see the intensity in the English uh, Premier League. It's way harder than Spanish or even the Bundesliga, which also has some really fast matches. People, Players run more, they run faster. Um, I remember, I think I, I might have said here once, uh, Ramirez, when he was playing for Chelsea, I remember he had given an interview saying that he f- the first couple months he would be in bed the day after the match <laughs> because he would have so much muscle pain. And then really Ramirez. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So um, I think it's too intense and it's not good for the players and it, 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 at the end, not good for the clubs and the matches itself. So I would definitely cut it out. And uh, I think, you know, coming from a place where we also have a very intense season because we have state tournaments that, in my idea, should also either be abolished or just change the formats. So, you know, playing 18 matches a season and with the intensity that it is in the Premier League, I, I think it's counterproductive. But even if you win the, the, the League Cup, you only play six extra matches. Most clubs don't win it, do they? So they don't play that. You know, most clubs yeah. only play two or three extra matches in the League Cup at most. I think if you're really sort of against it, just play your kids. Give the youth players a chance. And I think you should actually be made to pick a squad at the start of the season and name your squad. So you can't do what City are going to do this weekend. They've played the kids all the way through the competition and then the final, they'll just put the best team out to try and win yeah, it. That always I seems that bit, well. yeah. Yeah, 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 that always seems a bit harsh to me when they do that. Yeah, so if you want Kevin De Bruyne, you've got to play him in the early rounds if you want him in, to play, play him in the final and stuff like that. Yeah. Or you can have like a quota of young players. You have to play like mm, six players exactly. under 23. But I think it's it's a it's a trend that's going on in all, all over the world. I think this season is the last season of the Coupe de la Ligue in France. Yeah. They're yeah. abolish it. They'll they'll terminate it next year. Uh, I think in Portugal also, if I'm not mistaken, either they did already or they will do. So it will be just you know the league, the cup, and European competition. I think that's what's going to happen. Just banish football altogether. Yeah, get rid of it all. Get rid of it all. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the, the problem is is that it's just being dominated by money again. That's the issue is that you see in the, the, the earlier rounds, City are at home, it's a Wednesday night, the full team's not there, you've got Port Vale visiting or someone, the stadium isn't full, right? And then you haven't got any money in it and then there's less money for, to split with the other team and it's all just, I, I, I hate it, I hate that fact, but you know, if the top, if the top teams weren't in it and we thought, isn't this great for Aston Villa? <laughs> the only people that would think that would be Aston Villa fans and a few diehard football fans in England. It has a branding N- issue as well. The, yeah. Cup. The, fact, the very fact that it's called the Carabao Cup for a start, it yeah. cheapens it instantly, isn't it? It's like you say, is it a real trophy compared to the FA yeah. Cup? You don't hear people talking about the magic of the League Cup, do you? It's just a... Uh, I just uh, there is history behind it, you know. Yeah. It's it's older than the French one's been going since ninety four, I believe. Sixty one, yeah. I think the first league cup. Final. There is in, history. No, in the oh, in France. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but in England, no, yeah, yeah, a lot there longer. is history. And for example, in Brazil, which I use the example, right? Uh, it's uh, the state tournaments were the only tournaments or the important tournaments for a long time. The Brazilian league only started in nineteen seventy one because oh. it's such a big country and it was regionalized. 
But the thing is, back then, players didn't run 13 kilometers a match. Mm. So I think we have to take into consideration the physical aspect also. I, I think the physical aspect, for sure, but then that's down to the league to plan it properly. As Dan said, it's only six extra games, right? There's only six teams in the Premier League, or seven teams, who have then got European excursions, right? So the majority don't. The majority also won't go further in the FA Cup, and then we still have a packed winter schedule. So I think the English league kind of needs to rearrange their fixtures better, and it can be done. Get rid definitely. of all these. We have three international breaks between the start of the season and Christmas, usually, don't we? Like, no one seems to complain I, about I, that. I yeah. figured this out the other day, right? The international break, you play two games. Okay. S- scrap international football? No, no, not that. So you play the, the, the September, October, November. I mean, with like qualifying and such, you'll probably play five out of the games to be competitive, some one friendly. Right? If you took two weeks out in November to do that whole thing, so you did Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. That's two weeks, five competitive games, all of them done. Mm. I'm with it. Yeah, and then and then you you know you got this two week period. It used off. to be like that, I think. At least for South American football, yeah. like the qualifications for the World Cup was in a sprint, like two months or three months. Yeah, I mean, you've got like that one big ten ten man table in yeah. South America. I mean, yeah. it's obviously a bit different when you've got however many teams are qualified. But it makes sense Europe, from. It makes sense for international football too because yeah. then the coaches get to keep their team together for a while and exactly. they can work on things a lot more rather than two games here, two games there. But what I don't like is you take two weeks off, you play the game Thursday, Monday or Friday, Tuesday, right? But you have two weeks off and in that time, you could potentially have three games at least from, from domestic football Easy. and ones that actually matter as well. And when one of them is a friendly, oh. <laughs> international friendlies, forget about it. Um, Pep is going to send out his best side we think I would think so yeah I mean he's going to put Claudio, Claudio Bravo in goal which is a bit of a wild card so <laughs> anything could happen there but mm. yeah apart from that I, I would imagine like Aguero will probably play because he didn't play at all in Madrid um, maybe Leroy Sané might be coming back I'm okay. not sure yeah have you oh, got really? the FA Cup midweek he's been Sorry. training but he's um, not made a squad yet. oh okay yeah. Wow. Is, is there the FA Cup midweek for yeah, City as well? Sheffield okay. Wednesday away. So oh, okay, busy, well. busy, busy. Um, is there anything Villa can do to stop City? Because, I mean, City have already put nine goals past them. Yeah, this hope and pray, I would say, would be their best. Okay. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes this game, actually, because Villa have been really, really dreadful recently. So This is a match for you to play the Simeone tactics, you know? Yeah. Aston Villa, well, Manchester City. Well, you can't City. be advocating for those Simeone but tactics. But not Atletico. Nah, Jack Grealish, man, they've got it. <laughs> yeah, but not Atletico playing against small teams in the Spanish league. Maybe Jack can inspire them to greater things. Grealish is the kind of guy that Man City would have signed, like, years ago. Just the best player from a lower league team. <laughs> <laughs> just like Les Scott or Scott Sinclair or just... <laughs> A lot of talk of him, Man United. A lot, a lot of talk. As long as he plays, he's oh, class. He is. We're all go- and I love how he wears his, wears his socks. If he wasn't, if he hadn't rejected us <laughs> like that, then I might actually be able to like him. We're all going for a city win. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. Okay. Uh, question from Ian in Berlin, who says, "I love the show, like all the is guests." Is that you? Especially that Irish lad. <laughs> Must be talking about Porig. Uh, my co- my question is, who is the biggest trader in football? This came up because myself and Joanna were talking about this yesterday and uh, we had a bit of a discussion over it. No we- one tops Luis Figo. Luis Figo is that? Is the biggest well, trader yeah. in football Luis Figo? Sol Campbell. Yeah. This was the other name that came up. Was he... Spurs captain at the time? Spurs captain, <laughs> running out of a contract, <laughs> said that he'd stay 
said that he'd stay, then said, oh, maybe I'm going, but it's definitely abroad. Then, out of nowhere, turned up at the home of your biggest rivals. You can feel that he's still not over. Yeah. He still oh, keeps it in his heart. <laughs> and, and what's funny is he's now like a full-time idiot. Like, everything he says is just stupid. Everything, everything he says is ridiculous. But is he, uh, putting your uh, Spurs associations aside, is he a bigger traitor than Figo? Um, I think Figo, yes, he left, but he was obviously presented with the opportunity from Real Madrid. Barcelona accepted it for whatever reason. And they the, had to. Isn't the, that, the is that how it works? Yeah, there was something from the president who said that if you help me in the election, I'll let you go or something like that. I can't remember the story. Okay. There was a lot more between the clubs. The Spurs were powerless and Campbell knew it and then told lies and then just went. The Captain story goes team. that he won the Ballon d'Or or the FIFA award or something. Who, Figo or not Sol Figo, Campbell? Figo, Figo. Okay, and Campbell. in the ceremony, he was already negotiating a renewal of his contract with Barcelona and Barcelona was playing a hard time. Like they didn't want to give him what he asked for. Mm. And he was being elected the best player in the world. And then Florentino Perez, who was running for president in Real Madrid, talked to him and said, hey, I know that you have you know, a bit of problem negotiating your contract. Come. And then he said he used Figo as a campaign promise, and turns out he was elected, and Figo went to Real Madrid. Yeah. Wow! So it was more or less like that, if I'm not mistaken. And they had, that was the whole pig's head thing as well, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Oof, God, yeah. But then you have the best player in the world change your team, t- leave a team for the biggest rival, which is maybe one of the uh, the biggest rivalry in football because it goes beyond football. Oh, it's a mm. politics thing yeah. and everything. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it, that's the biggest traitor. And we ha- we had some players leaving Real Madrid for Barcelona or playing both teams or leaving mm. one for the other, but none like that. Ronaldo, oh. of course. Yeah. The, the yes, real but he didn't leave one for the other. No, no. Yeah, I will say, and he played only one season in and Barcelona. Ibrahimovic went through the three big uh, yeah. Milan or uh, Italian teams. For me, also. this is what really dampens the derby when so many players switch. This is why I think Arsenal-Chelsea is a load of rubbish. Because they have so many players that have played for mm. both. And when, you, when, when there's something a bit friendly or when you swap players, I'm like, that's not really real. Okay. Like Chelsea loan players to Fulham all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I think, well, you can't hate them that much if you're like, here, guys, have some good ah, Yeah, but it's just down the road. It's kind of handy. It's the, it's the fans that hate them. You know, it's not yeah. the club, the directors, the players. It's the fans. I just think like Ibrahimovic, like you can't really be that passionate if you can play for all three big ones, can you? Probably not. Well, Carlos, but Ibrahimovic is only passionate about himself. Yeah, that's true. Carlos Tevez was the other one who came up, who went from directly from... Because he yeah. went directly. I think this is much yeah. worse when yeah, you yeah, leave one club yeah. for the other instead mm. of, you know, putting something in the middle. I loved him for it, though. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he did much better in City yeah, he did, than he did yeah. in United. So. Okay. Wait, uh, hold on. He won, uh, We can't leave on that. He, he won the Champions League with... Yeah, yeah. But uh, personally, as a okay. player, he played better in City. Not that ah. he did better as in trophies or okay. the season. Okay. All right, then. Uh, that's all from us today. My thanks to Matthew and Dan. We'll be back next week. Uh, but should you miss us in the meantime, you can listen to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch, you're dressed to do so. It's podcast at Winfoot.com.